This episode of You in the Ring is brought to you by The Grad House. One of the best kept secrets on campus, The Grad House is for everyone. They offer a range of house-made meals that cater to diverse dietary needs. And with weekly specials, you are sure to find something new every time you visit. Located right off the bus loop, The Grad House is a great place for lunch, dinner, or just hanging out with friends. The Grad House. You don't have to be a grad student to eat here. Anxiety can play a huge role in the life of students. It's something that challenges people emotionally and physically just to meet their basic needs, never mind all the obligations that come with being a student. It can leave people feeling isolated and flat and prevent people from seeking help when they need it most. You're listening to You in the Ring, a program about UVic life on CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Broadcasting from the Songhees and Husanish territories of the Lukwangan and Sanchothan-speaking people, whose relationship with the land continues to this day. On this episode, we're looking at how two students grappled with accessing the help they needed from the resources available on campus while dealing with a mental health crisis. We take a close look at what options are available to students and where UVic services needs to improve. This episode is dedicated to students who are struggling with their own mental health. You are not alone, even if you feel like you are. The first student we talked to was Shar. My name is Charlotte Johnston Carter. Shar's pronouns are she and they. I'm a fifth year biology major and environmental minor, environmental studies minor, um, and I'm from California originally. Anxiety manifests differently for everyone, but for Shar, a lot of times it feels like there's this voice in my head just being super irrational. Um, And so like, I'll be talking with someone and they do like even the smallest little thing. I'm like, oh, they hate me. Like, Mm -hmm. this is bad. I'm dumb. This is stupid. Um, Or just like never trusting that people actually like you. Um, Or like never trusting in the true value of yourself. Also, like, the worrying that, like, you know, taking little things that are just, like, little bumps in the road and, like, turning them to a whole accident. The anxiety she experiences is more social. Um, But definitely when I'm anxious, it affects my schoolwork. And um, I've always been, like, a kind of smart kid. So when my schoolwork fails, it kind of goes into, like, you're a horrible person, Charlotte. Um... But, like, if I'm already in anxiety fit, um, it basically, like, takes away my drive to do schoolwork. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, recently I've been in a bit of a anxiety fit of, like, bad, um, like, self-image and self-confidence, mm. which is often, like, one of the driving factors in my anxiety. Um, and... So, like, this last weekend, I was in a bad place. Um, And so, like, I just had no motivation to do the studying I needed to do for my final on Monday. Mm. Um, And I just, like, kind of laid around my house feeling sorry for myself instead of studying, um, which probably is going to impact my grade on that final. Sorry, uh, Barbara and Patrick. (laughs) I definitely did not do as good as I should have on that tree bio (laughs) final. Um, But, yeah, so... 
it kind of like feeds off each other. Like it can cause me to be anxious. And then when I'm anxious, it fails, which can cause me to be anxious again. Her anxiety and depression are difficult to talk about with her support network of friends because she doesn't want to burden them. So like when you talk about like the deep stuff that's happened to you, like, I don't know, it's easier to just be like, say it as a joke, because then people aren't going to actually get worried. You'll be like, I'm depressed. And then there's like, a you know, it being like, yeah, I was depressed. And then everyone gets depressed because you were depressed. As Shar describes it, anxiety is more than just being nervous all the time. It's like being constantly on the edge and in a fight or flight state. Any small thing can make you spiral into a dark place. Because Shar is an international student, they rely on the university for everything. They wanted to figure out what was going on with their mental health and start actively getting better. So they started researching the steps so they could be totally prepared for the UVic mental health services. Here's how it works. You go, you go in the walk-in time, you want to get there early because everyone gets there early. Um, and they give you a number when you get in early and you can't leave. You can't like go downstairs to like the Mystic Market or anything. You have to stay in their office until it's walk-in time. It's walk-in time, you get called up by your number to the desk. Um, and they're like, okay, like here are the available times, these people, and you choose one, and then you only get 30 minutes with the counselor on that first appointment. And basically in those 30 minutes, you have to convince them that you need to see them again. Hmm. Um, so my first one, I like got there early. I got 30 minutes with this random counselor. Um, and she's probably a great counselor, but she wasn't good for me. Um, she was basically like, everyone's anxious. Like, I think you just need to do some deep breathing. <laughs> um, and she was like, you know, I think if you do deep breathing and meditation, you'll be great. And I don't think we, like, if you want, we can do another thing. But, like, it didn't seem like she was really, like, saying you should come back. Um, so I was really, like, fucking annoyed at that. I was like, okay, I wasted this whole time this whole day sitting in your office to get like, I don't know, it didn't, it felt like she was giving me things that I could have found online. Yeah. And I was like, I'm anxious. I love research. Like, <laughs> I know meditation and deep breathing is great. I want an actual counselor. Shar's friend then recommended a counselor at UVic Mental Health Services that they had had a good experience with. So I went in again. I did the whole process over, got a 30 minute meeting with her. And it was great. Like, she was the type of counselor I wanted. Um, and she was like, yeah, no, it sounds like you have anxiety. Like, what do you want out of this? And I was like, I want someone to talk to. I want to, like, solve it, mm -hmm. possibly get on medication. She's like, cool, I can't, like, she can't prescribe the medication, but I can be here for you to talk it through and give you, you know, therapy and basically, like, um, processes and mechanisms to, like, get through it. Um, but I can, like, you should go to health services if you want the drugs portion to get, like, a mental health assessment. I was like, cool, thank you. So, Shar went to health services to get an appointment with the doctor. So I have it, um, and the doctor was like, you know, everyone's a little anxious. Um, she was like, let's do this online survey. Oh, boy. And she was like, on a scale of one to five, how are you feeling? And I was like, I don't, like, how? 
how do I say on a scale of one to five how anxious I am? Like, I downplay, I've been downplaying it my whole life. Yeah. I'm not going to stop downplaying it right now. She's like, this survey says you're just anxious like everyone else. So she didn't, she was like, let's wait and see. So they did. And then in February, Shar had a depressive episode that turned into a crisis and it came out of nowhere. Which is the worst times when, like, your anxiety doesn't have a reason to flare up and it does. Um, but basically, like, it started one day, I went to my morning class, like, the feeling of just, like, depression and, like, just, like, ugh, I guess. Was it more in your body or in your mind? In body. Like, it was just this kind of, like, I want to lay down and, like... Like a weight. Yeah, and never get up again. Yeah. Um, so I went to my first class. I went to, like, a single-stall bathroom. I, like, was just feeling so gross. I laid on the floor, and I was like, you know, you can't lay on the floor in this bathroom. What building was it? Um, It was actually the uh, gender-neutral washroom in the Givik Pride. Nice. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I was like, you know, probably someone wants to get in there. So (laughs) I was like, you know what? I'm just going to skip my afternoon classes and go home. So I went home, and I just, like, laid on my bed, um... And, like, cried and watched Netflix. Um, what and, were you watching at the time? Um, Annie with an E. Not oh. a good show to watch when you're sad, because that's an awesome, very sad show. Oh, dear. <laughs> Just feeding into it more. Yeah. Um, and, like, the only food I ate was for my lunchbox that just so happened to be by my bed. Um, so that was the first day. And then I just felt, like, it was the first time I ever really felt suicidal i don't know like i have a weird relationship with like suicidal health like self-harming thoughts because mm. i know i'll never do it. it i wouldn't actually be able to go through with it yeah. um but i was like dude i'm thinking about this more than i usually do mm. that's a bad sign like they always say like if you have suicidal thoughts go talk to someone um so i like the next day i called up um health services and i was like I would like a mental health meeting, like, today. And they're like, mm-hmm. okay, is it an emergency? And I was like, I, I don't know. And they're like, are you going to hurt yourself? And I was like, well, I've been thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Like, in my head, I was like, I've been thinking about it. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. But I've definitely been thinking about it more. Um, so I was like, no. And they were like, okay, we can get you, like, a meeting, like, next week or the week after. So, like, I scheduled that. But the feelings and suicidal thoughts persisted. So she called again. And I was like, no, I, I need to see them. Like, this is f***ed. Like, I shouldn't just have to wallow in this. No. <laughs> so, like, the next day, I called them right as they opened. And I was like, I need an emergency mental health, like, appointment. And they're like, is this emergency? I was like, f- yeah, it is. I didn't say Because <laughs> I'm nice to the receptionist. <laughs> I was like, yes, it is. I need to see someone now. Um, so I actually um, saw the doctor that I saw before. Um because they were like, okay, we should probably keep you with the doctor who already knows some of your stuff, because they have on file that I went and saw her. Um, and I was like, hey, I feel super depressed. This is the first time I've ever had real, like, suicidal thoughts. And she was like, okay, let's get you on something. Mm, that's, like, um, the clicker that, like, changes things yeah. for emergency. Um, so, and then she started me on Prozac. And that was dope. Like, mm, basically. Yeah. Um Basically, like, it took me from being super anxious to, like, normal person level anxious. Yeah. Like, just, like, yeah, like, I could control it. It was, like, a step up. 
mm-hmm. like stepping out of a pit onto flat land with mm-hmm. everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was the, that moment of like, I have to tell someone that I might hurt myself before they give me the help I need was so f-ing annoying and horrible. Yeah. Unfortunately for many people, this is the state of mental health services on campus. And that's how it does work. Like, yeah. so many of my friends with mental health have been like, yeah, I had to be on the brink, like, call 911 because I, like, took too many pills, mm-hmm. go to, like, the, like, mental health region of, like, Jubilee or whatever for them to actually care about it. Yeah. Which sucks because, like, no one wants to be that low. No. As someone who's been, like, not even as low as some other people's, but been low, it's like, you don't want to be there. You want it to be caught when you're just starting to feel Part of the issue for Shar is comparing their own mental health with others. The idea that their depression wasn't as bad as someone else's held Shar back from recognizing the seriousness of her issues. Because I have a parent with bipolar disorder, or just at least horrible depression. Mm-hmm. Um, so A, that was normalized as a kid, that like I had this parent with bad depression. Um, but also being like, that's the level you need to be at to seek help um or I have a sibling I have two siblings with depression um one of them had a suicide attempt a couple Mm -hmm. years ago and I was like it's just this thing of like when you only see this one form of mental health Mm. and when like all those people aren't getting like really the help they need and aren't see like talking about it in a positive light that it's like a whisper of like oh your your parent has like bipolar and um just things like that where you're like that's where you like of setting this level of like you have to be at a certain place to need help mm-hmm. that if you're just anxious like that's not as bad as depression or trying to kill yourself or bipolarism mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter um and i feel like a lot of people have things like that and i feel like anxiety can be like that for people because it is normalized in this culture of like everyone's anxious because we're in this capitalist culture where everything's (laughs) crazy um so it's hard to realize when your anxiety is worse than what's normal um and when it's a problem recognizing that everyone's experience is unique and understanding her issues in the context of her own life instead of anyone else's allowed Shar to finally feel like she was in control of her mental health i think like the big empowering moment in my anxiety recently was like getting it diagnosed Mm. and getting help yeah because I had to push so hard to get it and I finally got it and I was like awesome all this work and like like anxiety and like grossness of it like paid off given all her experiences Shar has picked up some good advice it's okay just go get help um Mm. those things that your mind is telling you are a hundred percent false coming from someone who has their mind telling them like really shitty things a hundred percent false um a great thing that you can do before you like if you are waiting to get help is give your like anxiety a name of like um either like like a tween boy like a teen boy like brad or something (laughs) or like a middle-aged mom like Karen yeah. and just like whenever like you know your anxiety is like you're ugly you're like right Brad <laughs> you used to live in your mom's basement playing Xbox or like 
great Karen, you're in an unhappy marriage. Like, just trying to imagine it as, like, like, fuck you. Yeah. You're not good enough. Like, why are you so obsessed with me? Mm, nice. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, definitely get help. Um, and it's going to be hard, which sucks, but just keep at it because it's better once you get to the other side. Um, and maybe, like, don't feel bad if therapy doesn't work for you or any of the other uh, mental health drugs. Like, try weed. It <laughs> actually works. But yeah, get yourself some CBD oil mm. if you want to see if that helps out. Just, like, get help. You don't have to be alone in this. You don't have to suffer. And, like, your suffering is enough to get help. The next student we spoke with about their experience with anxiety was Belle. I'm a fourth year student here at UVic and I'm in psychology. Belle only recently came to terms with dealing with her mental health issues. I always knew I had problems with just a, I would say like a range of different mental health things, eating, depression, anxiety, but I never really wanted to admit to myself mm. that I had anxiety. Um, but now that I have, and it's been recent, in the last couple of months, I've really embraced it. And I'm not afraid of it. I'm not scared of it. You know, I know it's there, and I can't be afraid to talk about it because it's something that's been with me for years and years now. Um, so even though it's scary, it's it's comforting in a way because now I know why I have been the way I have been mm. or done the things I have done or have, you know, not done a lot of things because of it. When Belle was in grade six, she found out her mother had a gambling addiction, which set off a cascade of unfortunate events for her family. I kind of always knew it was in relation to everything that happened with my mom, mm. you know, because when I look back and somebody's like, oh, when did it start? I'm like, oh grade six and then like oh when did this start I'm like oh kind of like grade six and then grade six and then I'm like what happened in grade six and I'm like oh that's what happened so actually when I went to the doctor they classified that event as trauma mm. which I never really thought about because even though it was so hard you know I was still close with my mom and I was still there for my mom but I kind of put everything onto my mom, like my worry onto my mom, and I kind of forgot about myself, and it kind of hurt me. As in, a sixth grader, too. Yeah, like, you know, because we were, we were taken away from our mom for a little bit, mm -hmm. and my, my parents were separated, um, and my dad was very negative about the whole experience, like, you know, once an addict, always an addict. This trauma is what Belle believes catalyzed her anxiety disorder. It started off with, like, trust issues. I didn't have trust in anybody anymore. Um, I just, I was just so unsure and I just felt like I couldn't trust anybody and everybody was judgy and everybody was going to judge me or my family or basically everything I did. So I kind of stopped doing everything that I did do. Now that Belle is taking full-time classes at UVic, she feels immense pressure to do well. And because of the level of anxiety she experiences, it becomes really difficult to get everything done. 
you know, the school doesn't tell you they expect so much, but they expect so much, you know. If your GPA falls below this point, you're going to be on academic probation, and if you don't pick that up in one semester time, you're out, mm-hmm. you know, and you're already putting thousands and thousands of dollars into this. It's like there's so many things just weighing down on you, like if I fail, I've lost all my money or all my parents' money or the government's money, um, you know, and I've just kind of admitted failure upon myself. Yeah, it's like everything's just on a very thin string that could just snap at any time. Yeah, like imagine walking across a tightrope Yeah, and like every step you're stumbling mm-hmm. and like below you is like a despair, like a pit of despair. <laughs> It's like you look down and you see your family looking up at you like you can't fall or else you're going to let us down. And like the other side, you have like heaps of money, like you can't fall because you're going to waste all of this money. And then you see like your future self, like sitting in a rocking chair, sad and depressed because you failed your future self. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good image. That's really <laughs> the best description of it. I think you can Like an old of. crippled old lady sitting in the corner like, what did you do to me? <laughs> You let me down. (laughs) Surrounded by 40 cats and crippling debt. (laughs) All this pressure eventually got to Belle, with things like applying to grad school and her grades piling up. And I just felt like if I don't do well, I'm going to go nowhere in my life. Mm. And, you know, they want you to finish a degree in four years. You know, but that's four years of five courses a semester. I was in five. I, I mean, I am in five, and I'm sitting there with, you know, I have, like, three ten-page papers. I have a midterm. I had a week where all my midterms fell in the same week, mm. and that was when the panic attack happened. Mm. It was, like, the span of Monday to Friday. I had all my five exams on the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Oh, my God. So it wasn't even spaced out. Mm-hmm. It was just like, here you go. We're going to throw all of this on you in the span of three days, and you're going to do great because you're going to have time. You're going to have time to study for all of it while still doing the papers and the assignments we're asking you to do at the same time, and mm-hmm. it was just way too much, and I I just completely crashed. Bell was in the library during this highly stressful time when it finally hit her that she needed some help. Okay, I need to talk to somebody. So I I really didn't know what steps to take. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just like, who do I call? What do I call? Like, I can't call Ghostbusters. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I need to talk to somebody. I don't want to call my friends. I don't want to call my family. And I had been to the counseling service here once before. By here, Bell means at UVic Mental Health Services. And I had one of the worst experiences I've ever had in my life. When did that happen? Uh, a little over a year ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I was struggling with um, eating. I just wasn't eating. I was like restricting, restricting my food intake. And I'd been doing that for forever. And I knew, I knew that was a problem. And I was like, okay, this is something I kind of want to try and tackle. So... I made a drop-in appointment at the counseling services in the university center, and for one, they have, like, no spots open. If you don't get there at 8.30, you're not getting a spot. Or if you try and book an appointment, 
I like I went in February and they told me I could have an appointment in May. Oh yeah, that's helpful. Yeah, I was like, oh okay, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll wait. <laughs> um, so I ended up going back the next day, going there at eight thirty. Being like, okay, can I make an appointment? They're like, yeah, I think we have one left. I'm like, oh, sorry, it's 8.30, you just opened, but okay. Um, was able to squeeze myself in for like a 15-minute appointment. And basically all that happened in that appointment is the person I saw telling me how everything I was feeling was stupid. She felt that the counselor didn't validate her feelings and made her feel bad for letting her mental health affect her so strongly. Yeah, so it was (laughs) not a great experience. I kind of left feeling worse than I did. Um, And it kind of like, it threw me off of counseling altogether. After this experience, Belle didn't want to go back to the counseling services when she left the library that day. Fortunately, she had some good experiences with the mental health center in the clinic on campus. So I just called the clinic and um, in there, you know, like, press one for this, press two for this. There was like a press two to speak to our mental health nurse. And I was like, you know what, I guess this is my best option. And I ended up talking to this lady who was amazing. Mm -hmm. And they didn't have anything for that day for me to come in. So she made time to see me the next day. They had no spots. She made time. So that was really cool. So Belle told the counselor her story. Which I really wasn't able to do through words. So I wrote it down and handed her a piece of paper and said, this is what I'm feeling. I can't really talk about it. Um, Here you go. And that was kind of the first time I've ever really reached out again since the last time I did because it just went so poorly. How did you feel when you gave her that like if the first time you were really like opening up scared shitless yeah absolutely scared shitless i'm i'm not (laughs) i'm not somebody to open up yeah i don't like opening up so giving this person a piece of paper that literally described every aspect of the last like 10 years of my life and everything i've been feeling was terrifying Mm -hmm. you know and after that last experience i'm like this person's gonna judge me too This counselor got her an appointment with a physician so she could get a prescription for some medication, but also made her an appointment with another counselor, so she told her story again. And I don't know if I just have a thing against counselors, but again, the session didn't really go well for me. And I don't think that was a person's fault. I think that was my own fault, just kind of having those expectations and, you know, thinking like, this is going to be my solution. I've made this step. You know, I'm finally doing something. So it's got to be a easy, fast road. You know, I'm going to be instantly fine. I wasn't. <laughs> and then again, she had to tell her story for the third time to a stranger. She felt exhausted by the process of scheduling more appointments, making phone calls, traveling to the office, waiting to get in, and spending precious time that she needed to work on her assignments. Um, you know, open up to this person again, and them not be the right fit, and then them sending me somewhere else and opening up to them again and it not working and it was just so much I didn't want to have to deal with that. The doctor prescribed her a medication that didn't work for her and she had to return again to get on another medication. And even after this, the medication she was prescribed, lorazepam, made her feel even worse. And in the first like three days of taking it, I was like completely bedridden. Really? Uh, Yeah. And it wasn't like because I felt sick. It was just because I felt so depressed. 
Belle went back again and is now on medication that's working better for her and feels heard and validated by the physician she sees at health services. In the end, trying to get the help she needed was burdensome and complicated. Sharing her personal experience over and over and over was draining, and it was frustrating for her to have to push so hard to get the care she needed. And I've had my own friends and stuff come up to me and be like, yeah, no, counseling services here suck. Which, you know, there's how many students here? Like, Oh, I don't even know. I should have that statistic. (laughs) I want to say over like 20,000 students enrolled. And, you know, in my own personal friend group, there's like five of six of us who deal with these, you know, mental health problems. So like adding that to this 20,000, like you know to the group of 20,000 of us here like how many of us probably are dealing with something and having a resource that is only open to us once every couple of months or through a long wait list similar to what Shar was saying bell agrees that it can be hard for students to actually reach out and allow themselves to prioritize their mental health when they're in school i think that's a big thing for a lot of people is they don't want to admit it out loud like telling somebody i had anxiety was like the hardest thing to do mm-hmm. But you're not going to be able to get the help you need if you can't admit it, I think. You know, I think that's a big first step of a lot of things is admitting you have a problem. Admitting to yourself, to other people. And I think for students especially, if you feel you need to take a break, take the damn break. Take the break. Take the break. Take the break one more time. (laughs) The people in the back. (laughs) It doesn't matter. I don't. At the end of the day, your mental health and your well-being and all that is more important than your degree. So even after all Belle's trials and tribulations, she still urges people to seek help if they can. For me, it was very defeating, but don't let it get you down in that sense. You know, There's other options. There is other options, and I know that now, and I'm looking for those, and yeah, just... Even if it doesn't go well for you the first couple of times, you know, there's going to be something. You just got to keep looking for it. Don't give up. (laughs) Don't give up. This episode of You in the Ring is brought to you by The Grad House. One of the best-kept secrets on campus, the Grad House is for everyone. They offer a range of house-made meals that cater to diverse dietary needs. And with weekly specials, you are sure to find something new every time you visit. Located right off the bus loop, the Grad House is a great place for lunch, dinner, or just hanging out with friends. The Grad House. You don't have to be a grad student to eat here. We reached out to UVic's counseling services for a comment, and they declined because, unsurprisingly, they were too busy. After getting these interviews, we reached out again to let them know what was being said by the students so they could respond. They sent the following statement. Thank you for reaching out to include our perspective regarding student experiences with counseling services. I am sorry to hear about these negative student experiences. We take student feedback very seriously and we work hard to iteratively improve our service, shorten wait times for appointments, and to increase options so students can choose the service that best meets their needs. We have urgent and same-day appointments every day to serve students with more urgent need. 
For a full description of our appointments and programs, see our website. We welcome students' feedback directly by email or through the feedback form on our website. I am including the feedback link below for your consideration. In our roles as counselors, we prioritize our clients' safety and confidentiality. As such, we are not able to discuss any particular student experience. This would be a breach of confidentiality. I would hope the above addresses what you are looking for. Please let me know if you have any further questions. All the best, Rita. So if you can't get an appointment with the counseling services or mental health branch of health services, there is another option. Enter the peer support center. Basically, we're uh, a support system for to make up for the fact that like sometimes there's not available resources for all the students on campus. That's Zach. He's one of the volunteers at the Peer Support Center. I'm also a psychology undergrad uh, in my fourth year of studies, so getting pretty close to the end of that degree. The Peer Support Office is in the basement of the sub at B035. They opened up in October of 2018. Essentially a group of peers for you guys and students at UVic to come and bounce any problems off of or just hang out. There's really It's really guided by the the people that are coming in. So we're just a service offering whatever support that's needed. And um, we're like trained in mental health areas. So we, so we sort of recognize the paths and ideas. We have availability of a lot of resources. Like we can hook up with resources and stuff when people aren't sure where to go. Uh, like a lot of helplines and stuff like that. So that's really good. And then other than that, it's just a place to just relax and sort of understand that there's like a lot of like a lot of people struggle and it's it's just it's it's like can can be dealt with. Zach agreed that the mental health services on campus are overloaded with demand, which is why he considers the peer support center so important. I think counseling's a really difficult issue on campus because we're offering free counseling and it's good for a specific set of problems, but there's too much demand that there's just always a wait list. Like I've tried to, I've checked out the wait list a few times and it takes, like I tried to set up an appointment once uh, during second year and it took, it took about three weeks originally if I wanted to get an appointment. And then I had to reschedule because an exam came up. So it was going to take another month and a half. That so sounds actually really like, good because I've heard a lot of people like three month wait lists yeah, and stuff. Which, I yeah. mean, that's the thing that's really difficult is recognizing how difficult it is for some people and a lot of people to make the decision to seek help so it takes a long time like they've done studies and stuff but even just if you talk to your friends like it takes a long time to realize you have to go or you should go to counseling and then when you finally and even after you realize it might be valuable to you it takes a long time to make that decision to actually seek it out so when you finally seek it out and then are told and assuming that's a point where you really need it you're told that you have to wait three months it's really difficult because that's a whole semester, yeah. which is a lot of time, especially, especially in a student life. Yeah. yeah. Like Sharon Bell said, this is a huge issue with the UVic counseling services. So the PSC is there to offer students somewhere to go so they don't have to wait until things get worse to access mental health services. There's a couple counselors, I believe, that are starting to let people know about us when there is a wait list, which is really cool because it's so like we're obviously not offering counseling services because we're not qualified to do that. But what we do is bridge that gap. So if there is immediate problems, we do have like access and we have 
knowledge of a lot of resources that we can help people and guide to. But then we're also just offering just a good support center, which oftentimes if you're not really sure what's going on or just you don't really know what you need, it can just help to just discuss and sort of clear up. And and we get sort of the background perspective of like the right direction. Not that we're like telling people what to do and stuff like that, but just being supportive in sort of the, the right in the right ways. Even though the volunteers aren't certified counselors, it's good to have a resource like this on campus so that people have somewhere to turn beyond their immediate circle of friends and family. Yeah, so what's really cool is it is it is removed from their social circle somewhat, so everything everything that goes on is confidential, so it's not going to be... There's no issues about disclosure and stuff like that. But then it's also really cool because one thing is we basically just let it be completely guided by whoever comes in. So you could come in and just, if you're feeling anxious, which happens for sure, just like come in, we have little like fidget toys, whatever you want, and you can just sit down and like not talk to anyone. You could come in, grab tea, you could come in, start talking, you could say whatever you want. There's no sort of limit on what you can do. So I think that's a really nice opportunity for people and for us is just that whatever the problem, essentially, we can be there for support. So... What is it going to be like to go down to the peer support office if you need some place to go or someone to talk to? So you would just essentially come in, knock on the door. I mean, it's going to be open while, it's, while the hours are open. And then you just come in uh, and like, just the same thing, like do whatever. If you want to talk, then you can talk. We'll obviously say hi when you come in and stuff. And then we can just have a like 15, 20 minute conversation guided essentially by you, whatever is the issue you don't have to necessarily deal with anything you're not comfortable dealing with it's just getting to where you want and then we're there if you want to talk about stuff is it like what's the layout of the place is it like is it like a group area is there like private rooms and what's the- it's it's basically just an open space so we have we have a bookshelf that so- sort of separates the room but it's it's a relatively small room but just so there's a couple tables and then a couple couches so it's pretty it's pretty relaxed and laid out The volunteers completed many workshops to prepare them for their role, like mental health awareness, suicide awareness, openness and empathy, boundaries, self-care, and others. But for Zach, the biggest takeaway was about practicing empathy for people instead of trying to really understand their issues. He learned that you can't really put yourself in someone else's shoes, but you can validate their experience. When, When people come in, it's important not to need to be like, I understand where you're coming from. Because you can't, you can't relate to every problem. It doesn't matter if you've experienced a lot of depression, anxiety, or none. There's just going to be experiences that you can't relate to because everyone's going to interact a little bit differently. So it's really cool to take a more empathetic approach and just be there to listen to the people, whatever the problem is. And then from there, you can sort of realize that like, you're not making decisions for them you're just supporting their decisions and like offering someone support and letting them come to their own decisions is definitely a lot more valuable than coming to decisions for other people because they essentially ultimately are in a sense of control in what they're doing which is really agency yeah which is huge in mental health because you need to like part of control again yeah like (laughs) as i was saying earlier yeah with anxiety or depression you can just start to feel like you're overwhelmed to the point where you don't necessarily like you wouldn't necessarily choose to feel that way so you don't necessarily feel that you have control over it but when you start to make decisions and realize there are like things you can do 
and you get the you get the autonomy and the agency in those decisions, then it's a, it can be really gratifying that way. Okay, so my name is Lauren Grusich. I'm like a third year student at UVic and I'm here to, I guess, talk about my like work with the Peer Support Center. I'm a volunteer there. I'm working with a really great group and um, yeah, we're new as of uh, October this year. For Lauren, having a service like the PSC is important because developing anxiety and feeling stressed is a really common part of student life. And a lot of people maybe don't talk about it as much, but it's a really, you know, common student experience to have this, you know, come up during your studies at some point and you know some people live with it as a challenge throughout their whole life and some people experience it for the first time when they come to post-secondary there's a lot of new things um, and I think uh, yeah it's really important to talk about. And she knows this because she's experienced anxiety related to school as well. That first term um, coming in like I'm thinking back um, I remember one of my first midterms I got back was like I failed it and I remember being like <gasps> just like shocked and horrified do I belong here you know am I like what if my entire life is a lie and you know stuff like that um, and I remember that being like you know a really hard thing to deal with because I felt a lot of like shame associated with it um, and at the time that was actually the beginning like I, I was bringing my chronic health issues that we had kind of not pinpointed at the time so there was like kind of a perfect storm going on I probably had a cold the week before and there's a lot of reasons for that, but um, I remember feeling like so ashamed and, you know, then it built up a lot of anxiety around that one subject and it made it harder to, you know, reach out for like pre-tutoring support if I needed it and just to talk about it to friends or to like support workers or whatever, like, hey, I'm having a hard time with this. It was definitely a bit of a, like a, a block that came up because of that. Lauren's work with the PSC has affected how she deals with her own anxiety and things going on in her life. It's definitely kind of, you know, put an emphasis on for me like you know being being open with my friends and and you know if something is going on because it's sometimes feeling like oh I don't want to burden them or maybe they have their own things going on or you know I don't know we have these preconceived notions even though like if my friend was to come to me and say hey I'm really not doing well I'd, I'd you know want to nothing more than just to listen to them and support them but we have these you know I don't know these blocks that come up like oh I you know with vulnerability or whatnot so I think just you know the kind of the importance of peer-to-peer -peer support and it can be just you know a peer that is a volunteering like at a peer support center, but also the peers in, in your life that you relate to, you know, friends, it's, it's huge. And though she hasn't sought help from UVic Counseling Services herself, she's familiar with how difficult it is for students to get in. What I've, what I've heard is that this, like, unfortunately, that they've just, you know, they're over capacity, basically, like, there's such a need. And, um, you know, like in a lot of places, a lot of facets, and even society, like, we don't have enough support for mental health. And I'm kind of, um, I kind of see that there too. It's just, there's just, you know, too many students that need and not enough uh, counselors available. But to Lauren, that's not the only major challenge facing students. Yeah. And I think like a lot of it, um, like I mentioned, is sometimes I'll see on campus and it's, it's unintentional and I don't think people mean any harm by it, but there'll be kind of almost this competitive culture like, oh, I only got five hours of sleep last night. Well, I only got four hours of sleep and I run on coffee only. And some of it is a joke because like, you know what, sometimes we all like make <laughs> not the healthiest decisions when we're just trying to, you know, prioritize our schoolwork and it happens. But um, I think sometimes there's almost like this weird competitive culture in which people back burner their, you know, physical and mental health you know, for the sake of their school. And so I think, you know, reminding people that, you know, your health is as important as your grades and you are more than just a grade is, is you know, a really important thing. And I, and I get people are investing a ton of money. They're taking on debt. They're, 
you know, taking on a lot of responsibility with school. So it's understandable that there's a huge pressure to do well and, you know, achieve what you want and whatnot. But, um, you know, when it comes to at the cost of your physical and mental health, you really have to, you know, think about that. Is that, is that really beneficial to you in the long run? Lauren's advice for other people who are offering support to people with anxiety is to listen without giving advice. Because I know that's natural. You want to help, so you want to say, like, I would do this or you should do this. And um, everyone in this situation is going to handle it a little bit differently. And I think, you know, to try and be aware of that and respect that and let everyone kind of goes at their own speed. Um, so, I mean, if like if it's, you know, hard for you to see that, maybe you need to step back and focus on like, oh, how am I handling this? How is it affecting me? Do I need to address that self-care or whatnot? But I mean, yeah, I think, again, like just just being open to listen, being compassionate and kind of putting the brakes on giving suggestions if you can. Unless they explicitly ask, hey, yeah. I need help with resources or then, you know, obviously permission there. But other than that, if, if we can try to hold the suggestions, even though they come from, you know, a genuine good place. And she recognizes how hard it can be for people to actually reach out and get help. But it's a really important step. You're not alone and, you know, your struggles are valid and um, it's not your fault and all these other, you know, things that, you know, can kind of come tumbling out. And I, you know, I think it's hard to take that in sometimes when you're in a moment where you're experiencing like severe anxiety or depression, but it is really is true. Um, like it's, it's not your fault. And I get there, there's a ton of stigma, so that can be a huge barrier, but, um, I guess, you know, reaching out to resources is like a really brave thing to do. And I know it's, yeah. it's really hard when you're in those moments, but you know, if you are able to do that, like give yourself some credit for, you know, saying, Hey, you know, I'm really struggling right now and I'm, I'm going to try for this resource. That is a huge step to take. We also spoke with Ainsley Kerr. I'm the director of campaigns and community relations for the UVSS. I do a lot of, um, research for lobbying um, twice a year with other student unions and then I also do all the work around campus with all of the campaigns we've going. Ainsley manages the budget for the PSC, created the volunteer roles, helped with the hiring process, and set up the physical space. Yeah, so the Peer Support Center um, is in my portfolio. So it was started by my predecessor, the person who had my role last, um, Anmol Swage. Um, it was sort of her baby. Um, and I had the pleasure of like getting to implement the project that she'd started. She also has had some personal experiences with anxiety related to school. Um, I went to my doctor um, because I missed an exam because I was in my car and I couldn't stop crying. I was like, I was at school and I just like couldn't get to the exam because I was like stuck in my car crying. Um, yeah, so I went to the doctor after and I was like, I need a doctor's note because I was there, but I, I didn't write the exam. You were not there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And she's like, oh, well, this is something that happens a lot. And I'm like, well, not to that level. So like, that was like a really severe anxiety attack, but it was a result of having like an ongoing anxiety disorder, um, which I realized was actually the root at a lot of other like issues. Our interviewer, Amanda, asked Ainsley about what kinds of coping mechanisms and tools she has learned for dealing with anxiety. One thing I still struggle with some days is, like, literally just leaving the house. Mm, Like, yeah, and it's because I'm uncomfortable. Like, I don't feel put together enough. You feel kind of, like, messy on the inside or whatever. And I just have to, like, take a moment and be like, okay, I feel messy and like uncomfortable and I'm gonna go do the thing anyway 
Yeah, but like life is pretty messy and yeah, <laughs> yeah, and just like I, I don't know, it it helps. Um, it, it's taken me like five years to get to the point where I can be like I feel messy and un- uncomfortable today, and I'm yeah. still leaving the house on time. Like, and that itself sounds kind of ridiculous. Like, it took me five years to be able to do that. <laughs> like, and like get to a place on time, but. But yeah, like it helps. And another one is the um, the pots on a stove analogy. Like in oh, my head, I revisit that a lot. That's the whole like you have six burners on a stove mm-hmm. and then you you sort of go through and acknowledge all the stuff that you're you sort of have on the go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, for example, like you're studying for finals. You have six burners on the stove and then, OK, you've got something going on with your family. So you've got one pot on this burner going already so you actually only have five burners and then you have um I don't know you have three classes so you've actually got like three other burners taken up and then um you're trying to figure out what to wear currently so and you're actually you have like two burners to work with um so you like just put another pot on there because you've got you know all the logistical stuff where you're trying to like sort your laundry and do all that (laughs) stuff it's just like that's not a really good example of what's on the stove but no no that I think that totally makes sense yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, exactly (laughs) and you're like okay so so you feel like you have six burners and you should be able to do like five I forget how many burners I started out with but anyway you have a lot of burners to work with but in reality you only have the one and you just have to like acknowledge what your working capacity is and like it's okay to not be okay and you hear Mm -hmm. people say that a lot but lots of people don't internalize that but it's totally okay to not be okay and it's okay to like acknowledge that and give yourself time to work through it um and don't don't expect that other people wouldn't give you the same empathy and compassion that you would give to someone else like like stop holding yourself to a higher standard than you would ever hold anyone else Mm -hmm. because it's Mm -hmm. it's unkind In addition to these tools, reaching out and asking for help is one of the most important steps you can take for your mental health. And the Peer Support Center is there to offer support. I just hope people know that like if they come into the Peer Support Center, they can expect like genuine, compassionate, like confidential conversations Mm -hmm. and feel comfortable there. Yeah. And, you know, even if... um you know, maybe you're not ready. You don't have to like walk in, sit down and spill your life story. Like if you yeah. just, you just want to come in and have a cup of tea and just like kind of de-stress and not talk to anyone and just listen to music or whatever, we're not going to be like, why are you here? Like it's, it's a very comfortable Tell me your thing. life story. Yeah. What, yeah. what do you want? Like it's, it's not <laughs> yeah. like that. You know, we have people come in and do that all the time. So, you know, if you want to talk, that's awesome. We're all yours. But like, if you want to just kind of sit and be and, and de-stress, that's totally totally an option too also what the space is for absolutely yeah but yeah definitely get help um and it's going to be hard which sucks but just keep at it because it's better once you get to the other side you're not alone and you know your struggles are valid you're not going to be able to get the help you need if you can't admit it but it's totally okay to not be okay and it's okay to like acknowledge that and give yourself time to work through it you don't have to be alone in this you don't have to suffer and like your suffering is enough to get help if you feel you need to take a break take the damn break at the end of the day your mental health 
and your well-being is more important than your degree. Stop holding yourself to a higher standard than you would ever hold anyone else because it's, it's unkind. Every time I tell you how I feel. Even if it doesn't go well for you the first couple of times, you know, there's going to be something. You just got to keep looking for it. Don't give up. <laughs> Don't give up. Here are some of the resources you can access in Victoria if you are struggling with mental health. Foundry Victoria, who offer free mental health services and more. Need to suicide prevention and support, where you can find crisis lines, crisis services, and online text and chat. The Umbrella Society, for addictions and mental health, where you can find support groups, family counseling, and one-on-one -on -one meetings with outreach workers to help people struggling with substance abuse. TransCare BC for assistance navigating the healthcare system and accessing mental health resources for trans folks. And the Mental Health Liaison at the Native Friendship Center for support in navigating the mental health system, educating materials, advocacy, and referrals. This episode of You in the Ring was produced by Brendan McGee with help from Amanda Watland, Elizabeth DeVolis, and Lulu McKinnon. Our executive producer is Mary Decker. Thank you to our guests Shar Johnson-Carter, Belle Smith, Zach Sine, Ainsley Kerr, and Lauren Grusich. This episode was made possible by the generous support of the Community Radio Fund of Canada and the UVic Student Awards and Financial Aid Work-Study Program. If you like this podcast, tune in next week and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts and please like, rate, and review. This episode of You in the Ring is brought to you by Grad House. One of the best kept secrets on campus, the Grad House is for everyone. They offer a range of house-made meals that cater to diverse dietary needs. And with weekly specials, you're sure to find something new every time you visit. Located right off the bus loop of UVic, the Grad House is a great place for lunch, dinner, or just hanging out with your friends. The Grad House. You don't have to be a grad student to eat here. Hey, give me your ear. Let's, uh, let's pull back the curtain for a minute and check out behind the scenes of CFPB's podcast. Hi, my name's Amanda, and I just started to volunteer with CFPB in my last final year of UVic. Um, I definitely wish I started earlier and was able to be a part of more, um, however... Say la vie. Um, so what I really enjoyed about CFUV and being a part of radio production um, is just just the way that radio and podcasts specifically kind of create and um, find and carve out these narratives that are around us all the time and put them into consumable little packages that we can take with us and that filter into our everyday life. Because I think there's so much of story and narratives all around us that can make huge impacts are highly educational, kind of tug at your emotions or your interests. Um, my 
particular piece of podcast work was I was working more interviewing people. And I really enjoyed that side of things because hearing people tell their stories and hearing them um, talk about their passions really was just fascinating. And every single time I got to do it, it was so interesting and engaging and eye-opening and it felt like when you got in a room with somebody and put this mic on and headphones and hearing your voice recorded back over it it like makes it something makes people's stories into something more than like what they were um because they're having a chance to put it into a something bigger um yeah it's just it's a really neat thing to be a part of If you like this episode, you should check out All Access's episode on DIY recording because it touches on the intersection of art and mental health.